Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to the Unconventional Wedding Planning Podcast. My name is Ashley, and I am planning my own unconventional budget micro-wedding in the middle of a pandemic. If you don't feel represented in mainstream wedding media, if you haven't been dreaming about your wedding day since you were six years old, and if you don't want to have an Instagram wedding, then you are in the right place. Hello, and welcome back to the Unconventional Wedding Planning Podcast. This is episode number 97. I cannot believe we are so close to 100. Before I jump into today's topic, I just want to give a quick shout out to Megan of the Silk Stem Collective. Megan left me a really lovely audio message um, just telling me how much she likes the podcast and letting me know about her awesome business. Um, Again, that's Silk Stem Collective. So you can go to silkstemcollective.com and it is a rent and return florals company with really gorgeous um, silk flowers. So they look really amazing. Uh, They're not available in my area. And of course, I'm already married. So uh, not something that I personally am able to use, but they look um, really beautiful. And Megan uh, seems like the sweetest. So if you are in the market, definitely check that out. Um, Today's episode, uh, not about flowers, is actually all about money. So it's all about how to manage money with your partner. And this is obviously a huge, huge part of wedding planning. The biggest drama of your wedding planning is probably going to come from budget and family. And learning how to manage money with your partner kind of throws those two things together. So not only is this a really critical skill for your wedding, it's also going to be a huge component of your married life. Because even if you decide to keep your money completely separate, you still, you know, assuming you are living with your spouse and, you know, having a life together, you are still going to need to manage money together in some ways. And as you probably know, money problems are one of the biggest causes of divorce. So getting on the same page about how you want to manage your money right from the start is super, super important. Um, So even if you are not engaged yet, or even if you are, you know, five years into your marriage, I'm not (laughs) not sure why you're listening to this, but thank you if you are. Um, This is something you can definitely do and you want to get on as soon as possible. So, you know, as soon as you hear this episode, um, message your partner and, and get started on some sort of a money management, um, 
route, journey, <laughs> journey, let's call it a money management journey. So I'm going to share a few tips and share some things that my partner and I do uh, to manage our money. Of course, um, as always, this is all just like my personal opinion. This is not expert financial advice. I'm not a financial advisor or anything like that. This is just my opinion and some things that I have found helpful and that my partner has found helpful. So first things first, you need to get over the taboo about money. We live in a society that um, doesn't really encourage us talking about money. There's a lot of shame and guilt and judgment when it comes to money. It's not a thing like you don't go out for brunch with your friends and all discuss like how much you're getting paid and how much you paid in your taxes and how much you're spending on gifts or utilities or whatever. It's just not a thing. It's super, super taboo. And that's probably one of the reasons why couples struggle talking about money and managing their money is because we're just brought up in a society that tells us that money should be really hush-hush and kept under the table. So first things first is you really need to get comfortable talking about money. It should not be a surprise how much money your partner makes. Um, you should know how much debt they have. You should know the sort of things they spend their money on, how much they spend their money, um, or how much money they spend on things. And that's a really big uh, component of this is just to have that information and to really make money a more transparent thing. And it's surprising, like the number of people who don't know how much their spouse makes, like who have no idea what their spouse's income is, no idea what their spouse, um, you know, has in savings or in investments or in debt. And that's just one of those things that I really think uh, is important to know, you know, this is the person you're building your life with, maybe you're having a family with, maybe you're planning to retire together or, you know, knock on wood, they suddenly pass away, like you should really, these numbers should not be a mystery. So first things first, we need to get over that money taboo and get comfortable talking transparently about money. Second thing you want to do is start with your money history. So this is something my partner and I did, and I forget, I think we just Googled, um, you know, money history or something like that. And there's a ton of questions you can find online where you can sit down and really chat through some of these things together. Um, and it's really a great place to start because it's so interesting. Uh, everyone kind of has their own history with money. And it's interesting to sort of track where that comes from in your own life. So talking about things like how was money treated in your household? Um, did you get an allowance? Were you expected to get a job? Was, um, you know, was money something that was sort of freely given? Like if you needed to buy something as a kid, yeah, no problem. Or did you have to work for it? Or were you told that you didn't have enough money? Where did your parents talk about money? Did they show you how to budget? Did they show you what the household income looked like? Um, what debt are you carrying? Why did, you know, was debt something that was talked about in your household? Was it something that seemed acceptable or not? And this is, I just want to say off the top, this is a super difficult conversation. Um, and it's obviously not something we talk about very often, you know, the whole money being a taboo thing. And it is tough to be this open and honest, but it's super, super important. So find a time where you and your partner can sit down and again, send this episode to them and say, hey, I want us to talk about our money history. So let's, you know, grab a glass of wine, get some ice cream, a snack put on some nice music, get under a blanket, whatever it is, you know, get cozy, get comfortable, and just be super open and honest with each other. And the point of this conversation is not to judge, is not to shame each other, is not to say, oh, you were raised wrong, or I was raised wrong, or whatever, but just to be really open and honest and to share where you're coming from, because you'll see a lot of the patterns in your adult life, of course, stem from your childhood. So something like, you know, maybe money was super um, secretive in your household, and now you feel really uh, concerned about sharing your money with other people, or maybe you come from a family that's, um, you know, that's a lot of divorce and a lot of turmoil and, and money was a part of that. So now you have that same anxiety with money as an adult. Um, you can see a lot of those patterns emerging in your adult life from your childhood. So it's so important to start with that 
and share that with your partner so they can kind of recognize those patterns as well. Next, so we started with your history and then we're going to the future. So this was something um, I heard on, I think another financial podcast and it totally changed the game for me. And it was the fact that you can use money as a tool to help you achieve your goals together. I think a lot of the reason why people are worried about money, why there's a ton of shame and guilt and judgment all wrapped up in it is because money is always looked at in terms of scarcity, not having enough money, things being too expensive, feeling broke, being cheap, saying we're poor. And this is something like, I'm not an expert. And this is something I totally still deal with all the time. I say to my husband, I'm like, oh my God, we're too poor. We can't do that. And it's something he's actually kind of tried to help me with. Like he'll notice and he's like, hey, don't say that. You know, we're not poor. Um, Because we're not, right? Like that's that's a ridiculous thing to say and it kind of takes away the meaning of the word poor. Um, But so that's how we're raised, right? So you talk about money in those terms, even the silly like, you know, memes or gifts or whatever you see online always talk about money in a very scarcity or scarce way. Um, But if you change your thinking on that and look at money as a tool to help you and your partner achieve your goals together, it becomes this like really exciting thing. It's no longer this thing that you need to be scared of or worried about. You know, when you share your income or your debt or your expenses or your budget or whatever, it's not to be ashamed and to judge each other and to feel guilty. It's to figure out how you can use your money to achieve your goals together. So this is the fun part. Start dreaming up goals for your money. So after you've had that tough conversation about your money histories, you've been really open, you've been really vulnerable, you've shared all your numbers with each other, you're being really transparent about money, take a deep breath and now move into the fun part of dreaming what you want to do with your money. So how do you want to use your money as a tool to help you achieve your big goals. So that could be, you know, saving up for a wedding. Obviously that could be a really big one. If you want to put your money towards that, it could be buying a house, going back to school, buying a new car, going on a vacation, saving for retirement. Um, I don't know, investing in something really cool, whatever it is, whatever your goals are, like have so much fun just dreaming up this amazing abundant life for you and your partner. And then you get to figure out how you're going to use your money to get you there. So I think that's such a beautiful (laughs) that's a weird way to say it, but it really is. It's such a beautiful way to look at your money and to put yourself into a really positive mindset of how you and your partner are going to do something together using money as a tool to get you there. Another note just on money mindset here, that whole, you know, having a scarcity mindset and bringing all of this sort of money baggage to your life and to your relationship. That is something that, again, as I said, has been ingrained in you since childhood. You know, society has put that on you. And it's one thing to talk about it with your partner and to sort of share, you know, where you're coming from, why you think you have feelings about, you know, certain aspects of money. But at some point, it may be really helpful to bring in a professional, whether that's a counselor or a coach or a therapist, whatever it is, it could be really helpful to talk through some of your money mindset concerns or issues. I know this is something that I have been noticing a lot lately that I really do have this ingrained scarcity mindset and that my instinct is always just to go for the cheapest option. I have a really hard time uh, splurging on something or justifying, you know, paying for something that I, that I don't think is an absolute necessity. Um, I really struggle when I think we are in any sort of like financial strife, even though if you just looked at the numbers, like we're okay, you know, we're not going to lose our home or anything like that. We, we, you know, we have money, but if I sort of imagine a little bit of strife, um, or if I can see, you know, certain things cost a bit more or something like that, it really does, Uh, stress me out and add a lot of worry and anxiety to my life. And especially, you know, I work as an entrepreneur, I work for myself, I'm a contractor, Um, my money is not consistent, my income is not consistent from month to month. So I have a lot of 
money stressors, <laughs> money mindset, uh, issues and concerns, things that I want to deal with. So something that I am hoping to do is to find, you know, a coach or a program or a therapist or something like that, where I can sort of talk some of these things through. And I think that would only help not only, you know, my relationship with money, but also my relationship with my husband and that I can sort of, you know, have a better understanding of where I'm coming from. So right now I don't quite have all the tools to, um, change my money mindset, but I think it's really cool that I'm at least aware of it. And, you know, even having a conversation with my husband yesterday, um, I can say things like, Hey, you know what? Like that's actually, I, I've noticed this pattern of thinking and I, and I don't like it and I, and I want to work on that, but I, but I see it. And I think that's really helpful for both of us. So that's just a quick aside on money mindset. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. All right. So after you've gotten transparent about your numbers and you've talked about your money history and your shared goals for the future, it's time to talk about how you actually want to split your money. I do think it's actually really important that you have that conversation about your money history, um, getting really clear and honest about your numbers, talking about your goals for the future, working on your money mindset. I think it's so important that you do those things first before you talk about how you want to split your money. If you look at a lot of financial advice for couples and a lot of the questions, you know, people post in finance groups or wedding groups or marriage groups or whatever, it's always just like, oh, how do you split your money? How should we split ours? And I get that that's obviously the logistical issue. Like you want to, you know, figure out how you're actually going to manage your money with your partner, how you go about, you know, spending and saving and all that. But I think it's so important to do that um, numbers, history, mindset, goals, conversation first, because then you really know where you're coming from and what you're hoping to do. And that helps you um, choose a money management style that's going to work best for both of you, given your history, given your goals, given where your money mindset is at. And it also just makes the whole process of managing money um, a lot more like a team. Like it really does feel like you're in it together when you've had those vulnerable, open sharing conversations and when you know you're working towards the same goals. So jumping into how you actually want to split things, how you want to pay for things, how you want to save, how you want to invest, all that sort of thing. So of course, there is no right answer. There's no one perfect way that's going to work for you. Um, or sorry, there is a perfect way that's going to work for you, but there's no one perfect way that's going to work for everyone. So generally, there's like three schools of thought. The first is you keep everything completely separate. You have your money, your partner has their money, and you just, I guess, like Venmo each other or e-transfer each other when you want to split things. There's the uh, other side of the coin where you have all of your money combined. So everything is shared money. You don't have separate accounts. You just put everything into one. And then there is the middle ground where, you know, sort of a yours, mine and ours 
situation where you would have your accounts, your partner would have their accounts, and then you would both have a shared account that you would work out of together. I think most couples go for that option where they have, you know, yours, mine, and ours. And it totally makes sense. Um, obviously, shared expenses, like, you know, if you're paying a mortgage or rent or uh, groceries, eating out, if you have a child, you know, any childcare expenses or schooling or things like that, it makes sense for those expenses to come out of a shared pool. Um, and just to save really the hassle of having to send money back and forth. And um, it, just, it just makes things a lot easier. You don't have to second guess decisions. And then it's kind of nice to have your own separate accounts. So you, you know, you can do your own separate spending. You don't have to check in with someone if you just want to buy a coffee or something like that. Um, it also makes it a lot nicer when you're buying gifts for each other to have your own separate account. So it doesn't feel like you're just, you know, using your shared money to buy your partner a gift and you can keep it a little bit secret from them. You don't want them to like see the receipt uh, from where you bought your, your present from. Um, my partner and I actually, we have all of our money combined. And when my partner first suggested this um, method, he brought this up um, right after we had bought our, ho our home together. We were not engaged, we were not married, um, but we had just bought a house together. And he suggested that we combine all of our money, just like totally combine it. I think at that point we had a, we, we had the yours, mine and ours account. Um, so we had one shared account that we used for sort of house expenses, and we would both deposit the same amount into that account. But he had suggested we just combine everything. And I can't remember exactly why he suggested that. I think it was just getting to the point, like, you know, we were going out for dinners and we were buying things for the house and we were just buying them out of our personal accounts because, you know, the amount that we had put into the shared account was only for like the fixed expenses, like rent, utilities, whatever, or sorry, mortgage, utilities, um, taxes, whatever it is. And I think it is just getting kind of complicated to figure out like who owes who what and all that. And at that point, we had sort of decided like, hey, we are, you know, combining our lives together. We want to be together. This is a long term thing. Um, but when he first brought it up, I was so scared. And that really that sort of told me, hey, I've got, you know, this is a bit of a trigger for me. What's going on? What's, you know, what in my money history is causing me to be so nervous about this? Because I wasn't nervous about him. Just the idea of combining our money really, really freaked me out. So I had to sit with it for quite a few weeks. And we had a lot of long conversations and talked about, you know, some of our fears and and what was coming up for me and, you know, why he wanted to combine our accounts. And I think my issue was I didn't want to be responsible for his debt. He had debt at that point and I did not. Um, but he also was making more money than me. So it sort of seemed like it was going to even out. And basically the conversation was, you know, it's going to be so much easier if we combine our money. And yes, you know, I have his debt, like that would be become my debt, essentially, if we were using all of our money. But looking at our career trajectories, he was going to be able to make more money um, than me. And if we, you know, decided to have children in the future, there would be a time when I wasn't working and his income would be supporting me. And honestly, like this was probably three years ago that we combined all of our money. And I'm really, really glad we did. Um, the only thing I, I don't like is that we can't buy gifts for each other that secretly. <laughs> we still manage to do it. Sometimes we'll just take out cash and buy gifts that way. So they are still a secret. Um, but honestly, I love that our money is combined. It is really taken away a lot of the um, shame and guilt around money because I don't feel like I have to, um, I don't feel like I have to like nickel and dime my spouse. Like I'm not concerned about the fact that, um, you know, our joint money is going to certain expenses. I don't think I'm explaining this well, but just emotionally, it feels really good to not have that weight of like, okay, how much do I owe him? How much does he owe me? Oh, did he spend too much on this thing? Oh crap. Like that means I have to spend more. 
Um, it's really nice. And for us, the way we make this work is we just have some rules. And I think this is a key, no matter what method of money management you choose, is to really set some rules for how you're going to spend your money. So things like how much are we both going to put into the shared account? Um, how often are we going to pay off the credit card bills? When uh, do you have to tell the other person if you're going to buy something? So for us, you know, if there's anything over, I think it's $100, we have to let the other person know, or we just talk through big expenses. And it's not about asking for permission. It's just sort of talking through like, hey, you know, there's this thing. I'm really interested in buying it. Is it cool if we get it this month? Oh, right. We have that other expense. Okay, cool. I'll wait for next month or, you know, whatever it is. Um, talking about what accounts are being used, for what purposes, who's uh, tracking the accounts, who's making sure things are getting paid, all those sort of things. There's a lot of logistics that go into it, but really making sure that you are both on the same page. You're comfortable with uh, the rules that you're setting. You both understand how to follow them. And you're both um, comfortable with how you've decided to split your money and set things up. And of course, this can all change. Um, if you're, you know, combining your money for the very first time, let's say you've decided to manage your money together and you're like 22, <laughs> maybe when you're 42, you're going to want to do things a little bit differently. Maybe things will change when you buy a house or when you have children or when you're getting close to retirement. Uh, you can definitely change these rules. There's no one set way to do things. So something that works for you now might not work for you later. And that's totally fine. You can come back to this and change it at any time. Um, but it is really important to have that conversation and to set up what's going to work for you right now and to set up those rules. One thing I do want to add here is a lot of things I've seen in the online uh, financial space tell people like, oh my gosh, don't combine all your money. That's such a terrible idea. Don't do it. You want to make sure you have a separate account so that when, you know, just in case you get divorced, you still have your money, blah, blah, blah. And I totally, totally understand this. And I totally support having you know, an exit plan, a plan B, some backup, something that's just yours. However, you need to be careful about that. If you did not sign a prenup, um, your prenup essentially is the default rules of where you're living. And in a lot of places, um, the yours, mine, and ours is just a formality. It's really all ours. So even if you had a separate account that's just in your name, if you are married and you, you know, don't have any other agreements in a lot of places, that means that money is also your partner's. So just because you do have a separate account, um, maybe that's something that just, you know, makes you feel good, you and your partner. If it's just to help the two of you with, you know, not having guilt or shame or having to ask permission when you spend, not, uh, you know, revealing what gifts you're buying for each other. If that's the whole purpose of having your separate accounts, amazing. If the purpose of having your separate accounts is to protect that money in case of a divorce, then you really need to be looking into the rules of your state, province, territory, and perhaps signing a prenup if you are, um, or I think you can do a postnup as well. So if you are married or if you're about to be married and you want to make sure you protect some of your money just in case things go sideways, uh, definitely make sure you're looking into the rules of where you live. It is not enough just to open up account under your name. Okay, the last thing I want to talk about here when it comes to uh, money management with your partner is a monthly money meeting. So this is actually one of the, I think, most important parts of your money management and managing money with your partner is to make this a regular thing. It's one thing to, you know, have that initial initial conversation about your money mindset, your history, your goals. It's one thing to decide how you want to split things, you know, setting up those accounts. But if you do all that, you know, you do all that great foundation, you've really come to a good place, you're talking about money and then you never talk about it again it's kind of for nothing that's like 
building the foundation of a house and then walking away. You got to build the rest of the house. You got to do upkeep. You got to, you know, change the windows, change the paint, keep things maintained, live in the house. Uh, It's not enough just to set up the foundation and get out of there. So I think having a monthly money meeting is a really, really key part of maintaining your money management with your partner and making sure you stay on the same page about your money. So the great thing about making this a monthly thing is obviously that's a regular time. So you're checking in with each other regularly. And if you have this in the calendar, so for us, we do it on the 29th of every month or 28th uh, if it's February and it's not a leap year, is this is on our calendar. A little alert pops up and it says money meeting. And we know it's the day that we're going to have our money meeting. As opposed to if you just say, okay, yeah, yeah, we'll chat about it for sure. Yeah, for sure. We're going to talk about it you know, every month. And then people get busy, people forget. And likely one person in the relationship is going to be more interested in doing this money meeting than the other. And then all of a sudden, that person becomes a bit of a nag. They have to say, hey, I thought we were going to do a money meeting. What happened? We didn't do one. It's been six weeks. Uh, Let's talk about money. Come on, come on. And of course, not only is that super annoying to have to either be the person who does the nagging or to be the one who is getting nagged, but it can also add an extra layer of sort of shame and guilt. Because let's say, you know, it's your partner coming to you being like, hey, are we going to talk about money? Let's do it. You might be like, why? Why do they want to talk about money? What did I do wrong? Did I spend too much? Do they know about my shopping spree? Do they know about that credit card I opened? And it just adds this extra layer of shame and guilt and drama to your money management that you truly do not need. Once the meeting is on the calendar, you're going to want to figure out what you want to discuss. So for us, we talk about our income. So we um, list out all the money we made that month. We have a whole spreadsheet um, all set up for that we fill in every month during our money meetings. So we talk about all of our income. We look at our, uh, we, currently we don't have any debt, which is awesome, but we would track all of our debt. We track our savings and investments. So looking at our investment accounts, um, we also track some of our big spending. We technically don't budget in that we don't set a certain amount that we have to or have to stay under each month, but we do track our big expenses um, and sort of look back on them kind of retroactively. So maybe that, you know, that might not work for you. It kind of works for us. It's probably something we need to adjust. Uh, We also track our goals and our spending and we make big decisions. So things like how much money do we want to leave in this account? How much do we want to invest? What investment do we want to put it into? You know, is this something to save for retirement, to save for Um, you know, potential family needs or vacations or whatever it is. So at your money meeting, it's a really good time to track all your different numbers. So income, expenses, debt, savings, investments, as well as to track your goals. So if you're saving up for something or if you're working towards something, you can track your progress and also to make any big or big or small financial decisions. So that can sort of be your general agenda. And of course, it's a really good time to bring up any concerns if you are concerned about, you know, your spending or your partner's spending or something like that. If um, if things have changed, maybe your um, annual fees have gone up or something like that. Taxes have changed. Maybe you know it's um, your property taxes are going to be due next month, so you need to come up with a new plan. So it's just a really great time to talk through any of your big money uh, concerns, challenges, wins, losses. I think you can make this a very um, exciting, positive time. And if you enter this meeting, you know, feeling stressed, feeling shame, feeling guilt, really try to leave that at the door. And even, you know, talk that through with your partner. Say, hey, you know, this is this is a little bit awkward. This is hard for me. I'm feeling a lot of guilt. I'm feeling a lot of shame. But um, let's try our best just to make this a really open, honest, 
time where we are not judging each other. We're not shaming each other. We're not bringing any guilt to it. We are just being really transparent about our numbers and we're figuring out how we can use, again, how we can use money as a tool to help us meet our goals. So you can definitely make this fun. You know, it can be a thing of, hey, after the money meeting, we get to go out for ice cream or we get to, I don't know, put on a favorite movie or we're going to massage each other's feet, whatever it is you do for fun. You can make this, you know, a positive thing. You can absolutely talk about your money wins. Maybe you were able to, you know, earn some extra money, save some money, buy something you've always really wanted. Um, There's definitely ways to make this a positive and dare I say, fun experience. It doesn't have to be just doom and gloom and reporting, you know, and feeling shamed and bad about it. So hopefully that's not what it becomes. You could also set up challenges. Uh, My partner and I did this a couple times. So we would do like, um, we did, I think, no money March or something like that. No spend September, basically where you give yourself a challenge to not spend any money that month outside of, of course, you know, like living expenses and eating and things like that. You could have different savings games. I know there's a bunch, if you Google it, um, different things. I think there's one where you like roll the dice and whatever the number is, you transfer that money into your savings every week or every day or whatever. Um, So there's lots of fun, different things you can do to make your monthly money meetings exciting and positive and something that you might even look forward to. It's actually really comforting to like know the numbers, to see where you're at, to track your progress, especially when you know, you do get to a place where let's say you've hit one of your goals or you've paid off your debt or you've gotten a raise or a promotion or something like that. And you're able to see the positive tracking of your money. That's a really, really cool thing to do. So I highly encourage the monthly money meeting. All right, wrapping things up here. So let me again, just go over um, all the sort of tips and uh, how to's that I've shared. So first things first is to have that big conversation with your partner where you're being really transparent. You're sharing all of your numbers, how much you make, how much you owe, what your savings and investments look like, how much you're spending, getting over that money taboo. You're sharing your history with money. So how money was treated in your home, how you grew up with money, being very open and vulnerable, understanding that this is a tough topic. You're then looking at your future and how you're going to use money as a tool to achieve your goals together. So setting up some big goals for the future and how you're going to use your money to get you there. You're working on your money mindset, trying to get rid of that scarcity uh, mindset and possibly bringing in professional help if you need more Um, assistance working through your current money mindset. You're going to decide how you want to split things, acknowledging that there is no right system for everyone and that your system may need to change over time, but setting up something that works for you now and that you have um, rules that you both agree to, you're all on the same page. Lastly, you're going to set up that monthly money meeting where you're checking in, you're sharing all your numbers, you're making decisions, you're tracking your progress and understanding that it might be a little bit awkward at first that, you know, you might feel some shame or some guilt or judgment, but really trying to let go of all that and just being open and honest and transparent, maybe even having a little fun, (laughs) making it a positive experience and something that you look forward to. Because at the end of the day, um, you know, debt and money issues really do Uh, fester in a relationship. And as you know, so many people uh, end relationships, end marriages because of money or things that grew out of money. You know, it might not seem like it's that big a deal, but it really, you know, it affects every part of your life. So it's something that you really do want to try to get on top of as soon as you can. And remember that, you know, when you are talking to your partner, you're not just seeing their debt, you're not just seeing their you know, spending habits or their expenses or their lack of savings or whatever it is, but you're looking at the person that you are building a life with, right? This is your 
spouse or soon to be spouse, you're building a life with them, you're building maybe a family with them. And you really want to keep the focus on your shared goals and how the two of you are going to overcome your financial obstacles, instead of just, you know, a laundry list of all of their money mistakes, you really want to leave that shame, that guilt, that um, worry and awkwardness, you want to try to leave that aside and just be really open and honest and vulnerable with each other and commit to the goals that you're achieving together. So I hope this was helpful. I know this is a bit of a departure from our usual wedding topics, but I just think money is so important. It's so important for your wedding and your wedding planning and your marriage. So I really hope that these tips were helpful. There are a ton of resources out there if you're interested in uh, personal finance and, you know, kind of getting a little bit more educated about this. There are so many podcasts and books and Facebook groups and just give it a quick Google. You will find people way smarter than me with uh, way better tips for you. But I hope that was helpful. And of course, I wish you happy wedding planning. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Unconventional Wedding Planning Podcast. I really appreciate it. And I hope you found the episode helpful. If you really want to make my day, you can leave me a rating and a review. Follow along so you don't miss the next episode and tell a friend about the show. Remember, you shouldn't be spending your wedding day managing other people's feelings. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.